just give you some foundations. Your problem as a believer, your problem is not a spirit problem, it's a flesh problem. So when you are born again, the Bible says you become a new creature. You're not a refurbished creature. You're not a creature with more information or being elevated to another position. The Bible says you're brand new. Okay, if you're saved, agree with me. If you're not saved, I'll give you an opportunity after the meeting. Now watch this. So when God creates, so when God, when we say, Jesus, come into my life, I become a brand new person. I am a spirit being. Now, but I am a spirit being that has a flesh part to it. And every stronghold that is stopping God moving in you lives in the flesh, not in the spirit. So the strongholds that we have are not God said, Ted, you're brand new. But the problem is that there is a fleshly Ted. And the fleshly Ted likes to be recognized. Fleshly Ted wants, or his needs met the way he wants them. Fleshly Ted is irritated. Fleshly Ted um, tells people, in, when somebody cuts in front of me, my flesh talks to them. My spirit says, bless them. My flesh says, no way. If I'm losing an argument, my spirit says, Ted, you don't have to win. My flesh says, you have to win. Let, let me tell you how strong um, the flesh is. We, I remember when we first got our Xbox. This is when my kids were small. Um, my daughter and I were playing racing, and she was beating me constantly. And my, my daughter, now I'm competitive. I have got a 12-year-old. And now I am now in competition with a 12-year-old. I'm losing my temper. So I send her to bed. My, my, and then, but close to 2.30 to 3 o'clock in the morning now, I beat her score. Guess what fleshly Ted does? He wakes her up, says, come with me, baby. Have a look at the television. I had to let her know that I win. I know none of you are like that. So what we want to do today is when we're talking about fatherhood, your spirit understands the father. Your spirit talks to you in the father's language. Your spirit understands the source. What we learned last week, and look, if you want here, I, I, I strongly recommend that we... Um, that you, you know, go onto the internet or our app and listen to it. Now, let me just also now give you another foundation. The foundation is this. God had everything in him before you could see anything. So Adam was inside of God before anybody, any of the angels saw him, anybody else. So, when, so everything is in him. So in God, everything is in God before it can be seen. So the reality, everything that is real has a source in what you cannot see. So when God created Adam, he created one man. And today there are over 8 billion Adams. Now, so what God births 
He also sustains. Now, let me just show you something. The definition of fatherhood is that whatever is fathered becomes the source. And also, when, when someone is fathered, he gets a source and he also is sustained He's protected, he's nourished, he provides identity for that which he produces. So your identity comes from the one that produced you. You don't have to find out who am I, what am I. See, these are the, the orphan questions are these, that who am I, what am I? Now watch this. An orphan is somebody that was once fathered and then abandoned. So when somebody says, when, when you think about an orphan, an orphan, his source is himself. He has to sustain himself. He has to protect himself. He has to nourish himself. He has to provide identity for himself. And he also has to protect everything that he produces. So an orphan is somebody that is not fathered. In other words, is not protected. That is why... When Jesus said to his disciples, I am leaving, they were all really upset. And then Jesus used these words. He goes, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to send my spirit with you. Okay, you good? Just agree with me so that I feel like I'm doing something right? It's, it's for my flesh, okay? No, no, no. Now, the other thing we learned last week, which we're going to go deeper in this, is that you, we've learned is this, whatever... Jesus brought to the earth is what Adam lost. So now the first thing we realize that Adam lost, the initial sin was a fatherhood sin. It wasn't just a rebellious thing. So when Adam sinned, he distanced himself from the father. So watch this. If you're struggling with faith, you're struggling with fatherhood. If you're struggling with identity, you're struggling with fatherhood. If you're struggling with provision, you're, it's a fatherhood thing. Everything started when Adam reduced himself or removed himself from the source. See, fatherhood means this. A father is the source to what he produces. And he also sustains what he produces. He also protects what he produces. He also gives identity what he produces. So when Adam sinned, it was a fatherhood thing. See, before, when he was connected to the Father, there was no issue of faith. There was no issue of who am I, what am I. See, everything happened when the first Adam, now, so watch this, when you, you and I were in Adam when he sinned and he produced after his own kind. So when Adam sinned, he said, I am not, I refuse to have you as my source. Now watch this. In Genesis chapter 3, Jesus asked Adam and Eve this question. Who told you? He doesn't say what was told you. He goes, tell me the source where you got this information from. Now watch this. Now be, be really wise in this. The Bible says this. He says, Satan is the father of lies what does the father do he protects what he births 
He sustains what he births, and he gives identity to what he births. So he's the father of all. He says this, if you can find the source, don't eat of it. Now watch this. The moment, now this is how powerful this. The moment Eve listened to another source, the fall came. So the source of your thinking, the source of your behavior determines the outcome that you live in. So what we what we what we picked up there was that God God says I am your father. Now watch this. This is how powerful fatherhood is. This is one of the mysteries. It's an unshakable truth. Sin does not change God. So when Adam sinned, God didn't change. So you know what that tells me? That sin isn't as powerful as the father that that means that doesn't matter how high, from what height you fall, doesn't change God. So that means that his fathering or what he has for you is unchangeable. So what he had planned for you doesn't change. So if you look at the book of Genesis, you would go, hey, this is over. Adam has this audacity to go, okay, Eve, I'm going to listen. And then he does it. What, look, what we learned yesterday, now watch, this is how powerful what God puts inside of you. While Eve ate it, nothing happened. While she thought of it, nothing happened. The moment she gave it to the foundation, something happened. See, what Satan is after is your foundation. And the foundation of fatherhood, he says this, I am the source so therefore, the answer to the problem is not in the problem. The answer to your problem is in God. So therefore, the struggle, the things that we move into is that we go, I am trying so hard. But God says, I am your source. I will, I am, I will sustain you. I will protect you. I will nourish you. I will provide identity for you. And, and everything that he produces, he looks after. Now watch this. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. For us, there is one God, the Father who is the ultimate source of all things and the goal of our lives. And there is one Lord, Jesus the Anointed, the liberating King. Through Him, all things were created and by Him, we are redeemed. Whatever... The fall brought in, God says, I'm the source. So sin doesn't alter the plan of God. Therefore, it doesn't matter whatever things go around, God says, the, the plans that I have for you are the ultimate. Now, now, now watch this. Sometimes we, we like to use this scripture at Christmas time. But this is a prophetic word about restoration. Listen to Isaiah 9.6. Hope of all hopes, dream of our dreams, a child is born, sweetheart, sweet breathed, a son is given unto us, living gift, and even now, with tiny features and dewy hair, he is great, his power of leadership and the weight of authority will rest on his shoulders, his name. Just, just watch there for a moment. The power of leadership. 
when Adam fell, he changed leadership. So there was somebody else leading him. The first thing that Adam's leadership, that now he's gone away from the source, was you need to hide from God. Number two, use what is created to protect what you've done. Sin is a spiritual fact, and you cannot cover it up with a natural fact. So it doesn't matter how much um, counseling you get, how much information you get, how much you try to cover something. God says the only antidote or the only thing for sin is the blood of the Lamb. So what we see here is says the power of leadership and the weight of authority. So what did we lose? What did Adam lose? What did we lose? We lost the power of leadership. We lost the weight of authority. Now, let me show you something about authority, what happens. Um, okay, let me, uh, the best way I can put it is my family. The Bible, like, this is what we learned last week, is that when God created woman, he took her out of Adam, not behind him. The woman never stays behind the man. So we learned that, the, the, that stupid say, oh, should I be, can we say that in church? That, that saying, behind every man there's a woman. It doesn't work like that. Now, the Bible says that the bride is, is mysterious. Now, let me show you how this works. So the, woman, so the man is the foundation, and he comes out, and then they produce children. So now, this is authority, is the man says, this is the way we are going to happen. This is the word. This is the unchangeable word. This is the victorious. The wife takes it, and what does she do? She becomes the commanding factor in the situation. So when the kids back up, I command you, you're going to stop that. So her authority is based upon the foundation. So she doesn't have to make it up. She goes, what did dad say? So we, as a bride of Christ, what do we do? There's sickness. We command sickness to go. Why? Because our foundation gave us a mandate, and we take the mandate. And so who's backing up the woman when she talks to the kids? Dad. Now watch this. I, don't, I didn't have to be around every time the kids messed up. She didn't ring me up because we didn't have mobile phones then. She couldn't have said, you need to come home. Why? Stephanie's mucking around. Sorry, boss, I have to leave because my wife has no authority. Come, come on. Therefore, as Christians, if you feel that you're unfathered, that means, see, when I'm preaching, when I see it's something that's, that, that doesn't line up with God's word, I know that God's backing me up. Why? Because I'm in divine order. Now, watch it. Okay, let, let's go. Now, watch this. Next slide. His name, well known in many ways. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, I want you to this. The word there, wonderful, counselor, is the same word we get miracle from. It is something, out, something uncommon out of the ordinary. So God says this. What we've lost is the advisors we have been listening to are leading us astray. Um, don't put your hand up. How many of you have ever invested into stocks that everybody else, a counselor recommended, and you lost? 
No one? You're all, you're all going, yeah, come on. We, we, we get counsel. Oh, you should do this. You should buy this. You should do this. You should marry him. You should marry her. You should do this. You should do that. The Bible says this, is that when Adam lost, he had to depend on counselors. Now, here's our problem. If two people are drowning and one says to the other one, can you teach me to swim? Well, of course I can. And I go, see, we're taking counsel from the people that are in the same, that have the same source as us. And God says, I am a wonderful counselor. In other words, this, I have a miracle for your situation. I have the answer for your situation. I have a mighty, I, got, I want to do something out of the ordinary. In other words, is this, if you have an extraordinary problem, you need an extraordinary solution. That is, so what exacerbates people is when the problem seems so large and so huge that we go, no, but God says, I am a wonderful counsel. My counsel is greater than your problem. My counsel is greater than your mess. So when God says this, you've lost counsel. The Bible says in, uh, what's his name, uh, Psalm 1, if you sit in the counsel of the ungodly, what you need is God tell me what to do. God, show me how to speak. God, I have a boss that doesn't like me. Show me what to do. I keep yelling at him privately. It's not working. Uh, okay. Listen, mighty God, almighty source. Now listen to this. Dear Father everlasting. Jesus came to show us the Father. So what does it tell you? Is your greatest need is not money, is not a bigger house, a better car, more friends, a Botox on your face. Whatever you feel, God says, Adam, you separated from fatherhood. Now watch this, because you're smart, correct? You're very smart. If you read Luke 15, it's about, the, it, it's about the father. And he says this. When he came to his right mind, he said, What am I doing eating pig slop when my, my father's house is plenty? What did he do? He came to his senses and says, You know what? I can't meet my own needs. If I'm meeting my own needs, I am eating pig slop. But if I go to the Father's house, he'll feed me. L let me just po po point this to you because you're, you're smart, correct? How long did it take for the prodigal son to be redeemed? How long? A, a day? Two days? Three days? Did he have to go to redemption school? Guess watch this. This is how quickly... A father works. So the prodigal son, everything that he's given, he destroys. And the Bible doesn't tell us how long, but it took him a while. The Bible says he was partying, he was doing this, there was a famine, da-da-da-da. And he came right to the end, and he says he came back to his senses. My problem is a fatherhood problem. He goes, I left the source. And then he goes, well, I'm not, I'm not too sure whether the source will take me back. 
So he starts with this kind of a rehearsed repentance. You know, uh, husbands, we know what a rehearsed repentance is, right? You've said something, you forgot a date, you did this, you rehearse it. You, re- you rehearse it when you're getting flowers. You rehearse it when you're writing. The... So he comes with a rehearsed repentance, and he comes to the father. The father interrupts him, and then he says straight away, he says, listen, hey, get the best robe, get this, get this, get this. And furthermore, while you're getting the robe, while you're getting all of this, while the ring's being put on, I want you to, you know, uh, what's his name, get a barbecue ready because I want to party. This is what a father does. See, the moment he connected himself with the source, he got resourced. He didn't have a, he didn't have a ring. See, the ring back then represented this, that with this ring, he could go into any shop, buy anything, and he says, put it on the tab that this ring represents. So when he went into a shop, it didn't matter what he looked like, smelt like, wasn't like, hopefully was like. What they said, we are going to give you provision according to that. So what does he do? He restores resources to him. And then he says, we're going to celebrate. But he also had another son. The son lived in the house but acted like an orphan. Now, we'll we'll touch on the other thing. And he says, dear everlasting father, ever present, never failing. Master of? Master of, come on, say it with me. Wow. See, Jesus didn't come here to patch you up to make you whole. The word there, wholeness, isn't, uh, what do you call, what do you call when you break something and you put it back in, in pieces? There's a word for it. It's, it's an arty word. Um, not a maze. Mo- mosaic. Right? You're not a mosaic. You know what a mosaic represents? It's been broken and this is the best attempt we can to make it whole. You know it's broken, correct? Every time you look at a mosaic, you know it was once whole and now is broken. This is the best attempt that we have. And see, most people still feel themselves as their mosaics. Well, well, you know, we're just really good people. We're just broken people you know, making it good with Jesus. You good? Now watch this. When God says, I want to make you whole, I want you to start to think that you're brand new. Now, let let me give you something really deep that I learned, that I, I preached on it, but I got another revelation on this this week. The word remember is do it again. So what you find... um. In the, in the word of God, Hannah was barrenless. She, she couldn't have baby. And God says, and he remembered Hannah. What happened? The moment he remembered, he acted and she became pregnant. He says, I remembered. That's why he says, God remembered me and then there was a miracle. The word remember means I'm going to do it again. So remembering is not just a thought of words that you read. It is like, I remember, I act. I remember, I act. I remember, I act. 
So God, that's why God says this, I will not remember your sins. In other words, there will never be any action taken upon what you have done because I choose to forget it. So if God remembers that you're a mosaic, guess what? You're going to stay a mosaic. So the word remember means is the, I am going to act and what I remember will be consistent with the action. Now, what is our problem? Is that if we see ourselves that God, if we don't speak the spirit language, we speak the fleshy language. My flesh remembers all the stuff that I've done wrong. And But the moment I remember, I act on it. The moment I act on it, it becomes mine to my reality. Come on. See, Satan, he does... Um, this is really deep. Satan, on evil spirit, has never, ever brought a word from God to me. I'm being serious. I mean, I'm 62 this year. Look pretty good for 62, eh? But every time I haven't been well, the devil doesn't walk in. Hey, Ted, you should read Isaiah 53. Hey, Ted, I, Ted, Ted, Ted I, I know you're not well. I want you to pick up your word. I want you to go over every miracle. Hey, Ted, I want you to remember that God has no favorites. He doesn't do that. You know why? Because if I remember it, I will act on it. That is why the Bible says the Holy Spirit will come and he will bring to your remembrance everything that I've told you. If you can remember it, you can have it. So what we have, that's why the Bible says you need to renew your mind. And if we have been taught that we are a mosaic and God is the glue, that the problem with this is that God didn't say that he was going to put me together. Another word is this, is before I was broken, you will look at me and you got broken. But after I get born again, God says, what's just happened to you? Funny, I've lost all the glue. Master of wholeness and prince of peace. So what is, what, what's fatherhood? What the father wants to do for you. Now watch this. God hasn't changed. So the, what he meant for Adam, he also spoke to you. Watch this. From one man, we get eight billion. So guess what? God had up to now, 8 billion plans exactly the same. I want you to prosper. I want you to be in health. I want you to be a giver. I want you to be a creator. That is for every single person. Now, watch this take you up to another level. We all have the same foundation, but we build different houses. So your house is different to mine, but with the same foundations. My ministry is different to yours. That's why we don't. Listen to me carefully. That's why the only thing we replicate is the foundation, not the house. So you don't have to have my life. You can't have my life. I'm being really serious here. You can't. Because you can't have my wife. You can't have my kids. No, no. no. But God says this. The same foundation. But I've also got a plan for your house. But the house needs the foundation. Okay, can I put a pause here? Last week we learned about this as a man. We are not to complain. We're the foundation. 
Um, I know most of you that heard this message last week got a shovel and dug up the foundation and looked at it. I, I get that. No one sees the foundation. And I remember somebody came, I was talking to somebody, and they just go, so that means that uh, no one's going to recognize me. And, and I thought, that's a good question. So I was praying about it, and God said this, let another praise you. See, when you're the foundation, what you produce is what you produce will give you the recognition. You don't have to get attraction. So you don't have to go, you know, like, like I used to do. Do you know how many hours I work? My, my, my dad's with Jesus now, and um, you know how many times we got this lecture at the meal table? Do you realize what it costs to put food on the table? And if you forgot to switch your light off, do you know how much it costs to keep that light on? How long were you in the shower? Do you know how much money it takes to heat up the hot water? I, you know, I get up every morning. You're still asleep. Well, you know what? My, my dad's flesh was talking. And he going, come on. You're going to be okay, dear. See, the thing is, is this. The Bible says this. is when you're the foundation, you will get recognition from others, not from yourself. You won't have to ask for it. No, no one encourages me. Well, boo-hoo. Encourage yourself. Okay, okay. <laughs> I just looked at the time. Now watch this. When you know that you're not the source, that you become, you are a resource, then you understand John 15. The Bible says, I am the branch. I am the vine. You are the branch. Guess what? It is all that's required is that the branch is connected to the vine. The vine does the work, not the branch. Now, what happens is this, is that the moment you disconnect yourself from the vine, see, you can, you can I'm, um, I'm not really good at planting, but I've seen Sylvie do this. Um, she, I brought her some roses, and the first thing Sylvie will do, is she'll wait, she'll cut a bit off, and she'll put it in water. And guess what? It revives. It will never produce, but it will look good. So what happens is this, you can pull yourself from the vine, but then you're going to need an external um, sustenance and you put it in water, but you can't produce because the production comes from the source. So, so what happens is this, this is how Satan frustrates the humankind, is because when Adam... When God put it into Adam, he put aircraft carriers, he put cars, he put buildings, he put paintings, he put songs. He did this. All of these things were in Adam. They were first in God, he puts them in Adam. And within the fallen man, there's this, there's this need, I want to create, I want to do this, I want to do this. But the frustration, I can't do it. Because every plan that God's put into us is dependent upon the source. Not the resource. So once you move from the source, you have to resource yourself. And God says, I want, you, you know, I want to make you whole. So in other words, this. For you to be whole, you need to remove every memory of failure. I wasn't going to go this way, but I feel like I need to do it. So what happens is this. Every time you remember a failure, you relive it, you get the emotions, and then you produce it. 
The reason Satan wants you to remember is because if your thinking is to the source, there is no failure in God. There isn't any. There is no failure in the Word. And so what happens is this. When we get to the part, he's the master of wholeness. He goes to this. Now, if you remember that you're no good, if you remember how you failed, you've got to remember what God has done, and that's what you produce. So some of our problem is that we keep reliving failure. How many, of you, how many of you can still remember when you really failed badly at school? You know what you do? You know when you start remembering and reliving it? Guess what? You have now just laid another foundation for you to fail again because whatever you remember, you create. That is why it's important to be in church. That's why it's important to worship. Now, let's keep going as we come to an ending. Listen to this. John 20, 17. And Jesus cautioned her. Mary, don't cling to me. Don't cling to me, sorry. For I haven't ascended to God, my Father. He is not only my Father and God, but now He is your Father and your God. And now... Go to my brothers and tell them what I've told you, that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Now, I want you to watch carefully with me here. You'll never read the New Testament in the same way ever again after this. When Jesus came to earth, he was showing them what the Father is like, what the Father speaks, and what the Father does. We lost the Father. And let me get this. Jesus is saying that God is my Father. Now, the same relationship that I have with my Father is I have now given it to you. So in the way that I walked, now you walk. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. If you want to know how to live, look at the life of Jesus. Did Jesus ever go, I don't know what to do? Did Jesus go, I don't like it? Now listen to me carefully. Jesus didn't teach us an exit plan out of earth. Jesus taught us relationship, how to live on earth. Religion gives you an activation plan. It says, you know, that green sign, if there is a fire, you go out there. And I actually, when I never understood it. I, I remember uh, growing up in the early, uh, late, late 80s, early 70s. It was all about Jesus was coming back. It was all about uh, uh, the song, the movie came out, I wish we'd all been ready. And the whole thing was, are you ready for when Jesus comes back? And that's good, we need to do that. But let me ask you, Jesus, Jesus asked him this question, are you ready to live like Jesus now? Are you, are you ready to talk like Jesus now? Are you ready to create like Jesus now? You see, God said, the first thing he said to Adam, he says, Adam, be fruitful and multiply when you get to heaven. On earth you will struggle. On earth you will be rubbish. You know, but it's okay, I've got an evacuation plan. And then when you go up, then you'll be whole. See, when you look at the life of Jesus, he says, I have come to forgive you. Can you imagine if Jesus did this to you? Oh, you want your sins forgiven? Oh, yeah, oh, I can't do it right now. 
My time is not yet. Um, look, um, if you're alive by the time I come back, there's a good possibility I'll forgive you. But don't count on it. Every time, Jesus never sent anybody away. So if you want to know what the Father is like, what's Jesus like? Now, and I want you to watch this. He's saying this now. This is so hard for an ungenerate mind to comprehend. Jesus is making no distinction between relationship between himself and the Father and a born-again believer with the Father. So what does that mean? That everything that Jesus expected the Father to do for him, I can expect the Father to do for me. And Jesus modeled it. He says, everything I say, I first heard the Father say it, and then I said it. What did we talk about relationship? The Father says, this is what I want. The mother incubates the baby, gives her the baby. And now, what does the father say? Goes into the mother. What the mother says, then goes, becomes a command. So what does God say to you? I've told you what to do. I've told you how to speak. I've given you my word. Where in the word does the father say, I'm disappointed at you? Uh, come, uh, um, I'll, I'll talk to you parents. Uh, Teachers and all that, praise God, I love them. But without the kingdom, we use disappointment as a motivator. If you try harder, you'll make it. I am so disappointed in you. I remember I tried that on my kids. The problem with my kids is they had a godly mother. So I would go, hey, honey, I'm disappointed at you. Well, get over it, Dad. And I go, no, 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 you, you're not, get with the program. You're supposed to go, yeah, I'm so sorry, Dad, I'll try harder. They go, Dad, get over it. God doesn't use past mistakes as a motivator. Because what, what does the Father do? When Father wants to encourage you, He doesn't remember your past. And your past is full of mistakes. What does he do? He tells you not just your future, he tells you your present day reality. So when we, we talk about unshakable, see, the thing is, but Ted, you don't know what I've done. I don't want to know what you've done. But what I do know is that his divine purpose is unshakable. When Adam sinned, heaven didn't shake. People were not going around, oh no, OMG, look what they've done. Oh no, now we've got to start all over again. Hey, I want you to watch something with me. You good? There's only once did God make Adam out of dirt. After that, he never ever went to the dirt to create anything. What does that mean? That whatever was started is now redeemed. When he wanted to make Eve, he didn't go to the dirt. He says, I've already got it. See, right now, you have a father. I, I like, can, I, can the band come up, please? We're just going to pray. Uh, I've got another 400 pages of notes on this. But I, I feel for you because I actually want lunch today. But from now on, we're going to pray. And I am believing that you get a revelation of a father. Now, you know what I love about this? 
is that you need to erase all the imagery of bad fatheringhood that we've had. And we need to let the Holy Spirit wash us and go, this is what a father is. An orphan is somebody that's brought something into reality and then left it. That's an orphan. But God says this, whatever I birth, I look after. Now listen to me very carefully. As a born again believer, you can expect for God to look after you. As a born again believer, you can expect that God will never ever tell you He's disappointed at you. As a believer, God will never ever use your past to encourage you for the future. As a believer, I expect healing. I expect peace. You will know when you get this, you can turn on the news and this is going to happen. New rate rise, that's going to happen. We've got a problem with this. This is going to, China's going to overtake the world. You know, all, all of this sort of stuff, right? You, you know, all this news. And, but there's something inside that's okay, Ted. Your father did. Your father did. See, the moment the prodigal got back, the father took charge of his life. He didn't have to. And if you're tired today, if you're tired, just go, God, I want to be fathered. One of my prayers now is after God's given me a revelation of this, is every day I go, God, I, th I, I think need, 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 need. And I go, no, no, the only need Ted Fabianic has is to be fathered. Because the father is taking my responsibility. Now, I'll, I'll prove it to you and we're going to finish in a second. This is how much God loves you. That when Jesus was on the cross, do you know what God did? He took all of the sins that Ted Fabianic has done and he, he fully listed. And then he says, Ted Fabianic is going to be sick with this. He's going to have this, 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 and this. He took it all and he said this, but he's my son. So he goes, Jesus, everything that should happen to him, I'm going to put it on to you so that he can be fathered. Because God, God was saying to this to Jesus, Jesus, I, I want Ted so much. I want, he needs a dad. And the only way he's going to get the dad, the only connection is if somebody pays for what he's done. And he goes, I love him so much, Jesus. And Jesus goes, I love him too. And how about we work together and I'll take everything, every mistake, every sickness, every flaw, every mosaic, I'm going to put on me so that he can be fathered. That's when we get the last scripture. When he says, I go to my father and your father. I want you to, if you can get this reality, it will change everything. It is because you are now father. It's not your responsibility to cure yourself. It's not your responsibility to thrive. It is his responsibility. When did we think we're big enough, bigger than God? Come on. Why? That's what the Bible says. Why do you have to worry? Because your dad is looking after you. Your Father loves you with an everlasting love. See, when we talked about wonderful counselor, mighty God, the Father, that's what I am. Now listen to me, if you're struggling with your identity, don't talk to the person next to you. God, who am I? God, what did you put inside of me? Oh my God. Why don't you stand with me right now? Jesus.